0: Welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan. We're bringing you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. We're here on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Monday mornings at 1 a.m. Wednesdays at 9 a.m. for a special edition of Tell Me Your Story. And uh, we stream at those times at richarddugan.com. We uh, also podcast these programs on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and many other locations. And we are also on YouTube, where you can watch these interviews. I hope that at the very least, you will uh, click notification, even if you don't subscribe. And that's okay. I'm I have never been into the numbers, folks. I know that everybody keeps telling me, Richard, you need to monetize your website. You need to do this. You need to do that. And I'm going, you know what? I am happy the way things are going. And people who need to hear what we have to share will hear it. And those who don't need to hear it, they won't. And that's okay. That's what it's all about to me. Uh, I, I I take a little different perspective. I'm a little a little different in that way. I'm not going to say odd just different. I'm unique, just like everybody's unique. We, um, <clears throat> pardon me. We, uh, yes, indeed. We will uh, get that through the, uh, the old windpipes there and move along here to tell you that if you'd like to support the work we're doing here, uh, we would greatly appreciate that. We have a PayPal account. It is there for your security as well as ours. When they ask you for an email address to whom you are sending, Richard at RichardDugan.com. That's Richard at RichardDugan.com. We also ask you to spend time going into that quiet, still, calm, peaceful place. It's the place I found on this planet that nobody else can get to. I can put up a lounge chair, I can make an ocean in front of me, and I can kick back and just relax and listen to that still small voice. And we hope that you will take time to do that. Well, today we're going to listen to uh I don't know how still that voice is, but we're going to listen to the voice of Michael Peter uh, Langevin, Tales, travel tales, actually, travel tales from unknown realities. And uh, um, Michael Peter, thank you so much for joining us here on the program. I'm looking forward to this conversation. My pleasure. So give us, as we start in... Just a, a, and then we'll dive into all these other subjects, a brief summary about this whole business of, and because I really love it because uh, it, it sounds to me like this is a travel tales from not just unknown realities, but maybe other dimensions. Maybe it is in that quiet, still peaceful, calm place that we go within to listen for that still small voice and so forth. Um, my wife showed me just before I left for work today. Uh, this beautiful, gorgeous picture of, of this greenery in this big circle. And it was a portal into another water world dimension. And I thought, and she asked me, she says, if you saw that, would you go through it? I said, oh, yeah, absolutely. So give us a little synopsis on travel tales from other, uh, from unknown realities.
1: That, that, that That's a great introduction. Your wife was right into what we, what I'm doing. Um <clears throat> I kind of think of myself as, as uh, a magnet for the weird or the unusual. Uh, happened early on. Uh, I was a son and the grandson of a funeral director. So um, I grew up around the funeral home and death. We, our farm was surrounded by cemeteries. Uh, so that sort of changes your perspective on life when you have that much death around you. I, I've come to see our reality is only a slice of the onion of expanded realities, and been blessed to be able to walk through into some of those other dimensions, other realities, uh, whether it's uh, with witches in Salem or uh, with shamans in the Amazon or uh, medicine men in Africa. I've I got to see ghosts and semi-miracles and magic, um, the, the, I guess I'm kind of unique in my own way, uh, mm-hmm. all of us are, right? Uh, in that in that I, I've had those experiences, I've traveled quite a bit, and I tend to call those things to me. And, and I just had my wife actually told me a, a few years back, you know, you need to put those stories into one book. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought, oh, yeah, I never thought of that. So I sat down and and wrote a bunch of my uh, magical experiences from age five uh, to three years ago when COVID started. And and, uh, that's what the book consists of.
0: Well, I can share with you an experience my wife and I had uh, when we traveled to Ireland back uh, around the holidays of 2002 uh, to 2003. We actually were uh, blessed to celebrate New Year's Day or New Year's uh, in Ireland. It was a wonderful experience. Uh, But as we're driving from uh, our first location, which was a hotel in Dublin, after we had uh, gone in there, we stayed there, I think, two or three days, we were driving through the countryside and we would go through these towns, these villages, if you will, and we would come across these cemeteries my wife wanted to stop at. And I'm going, oh, my God, how morbid and so forth. But then I stopped myself and I thought, wait a minute, wait a minute she wants to stop here to look at like the headstones and the statuary and all of that kind of stuff. And somehow somewhere it struck me. There's nothing morbid about these town, these cemeteries, absolutely nothing morbid about it. Think about it. And this is kind of where my mind went. All these people that are lying here are the ones that established this town and and so on and so forth and that's why this town is here because of these people and it kind of really flipped the switch for me in, in in that context uh i know that these days a lot of people aren't being buried they're being cremated uh maybe it's environmental i who knows but um uh you know nonetheless uh that was one of the things that really you really touched me and then i've had and i'm i'm interested too in 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 experiences you've had with some people don't like calling them ghosts for example they'll just say they'll, they'll, they'll refer to them as apparitions okay and you might say that let's just say um the children at fatima and lourdes they didn't see a ghost of mary they saw an apparition that's how it's actually i think that's the term uh, and they have these experiences maybe even these conversations and so forth now I'm not into horror films I want you to know I, I really don't like them because I don't like the drama I don't like the fear that's it that's generated even though I try to think intellectually it's just a movie Richard this is a set it could be CGI Richard don't you know don't get all freaked out it's but it does something to other people and it's weird how some people like to be scared
1: I, I'm if, by that too I, I... I've been exposed to a lot of bizarre things and intense things. And it's like, there's always something more there and it, to walk into it, you give much more reward than to run from. it.
0: Yeah. Now I was born and raised Catholic. What about you? What was your yeah, upbringing philosophically?
1: God bless the church. Uh, I, I uh, had a priest try to molest me when I wanted to become an altar boy. I uh, ran two miles home and told my father I was done with the Catholic church. Um, but I got a lot out of it up until the age of 12. And, and I think it opens a lot of people, I think organized religions with their ceremonies and their rituals open a lot of people's eyes to the possibilities. And I went, one time I was in Europe, I went to Notre Dame Cathedral and went to high mass at sunrise. And oh my gosh, the, the sunrise goes through the, the beautiful stained glass the, the incense of burning the the choir is singing you're transcended to someplace else they set it up for you. before there was media they knew how to use all of their resources to transform people into a spiritual experience and I I think organized religions have learned this and done this through the ages
0: well I will tell you that I was not a, I was born and raised Roman Catholic or Western right. When I married my first wife, um, I attended the Byzantine rite of the Catholic Church. And I got to tell you, I'm with you on the ritual ceremony and tradition that seems to be missing in just in our culture today, overall culture in America specifically. And I think you're absolutely right. We went to, I think, at least one or two services when we were in Ireland. We've been there twice, but it's been like almost 20 years and it's like why can't i get back there but yeah, yeah. It, you're I'm absolutely
1: traveling
0: i love to travel but you can't do it enough <laughs> yeah no you're absolutely right of course my problem is i only want to go back to ireland and then i want to stay there you know or maybe that'll be my home base and i'll travel, I'll travel. Is that way for me yeah <laughs> peter uh michael peter langevin is my guest here on tell me your story We are talking with uh, Michael Peter Langevin, and we're talking about his book and the experiences that he has had uh, through the book, Travel Tales from Unknown Realities, a fascinating conversation. I know that's coming. I just, I can feel it in my bones. I can feel it up in here that you, because I I want you to uh, uh, begin the process of sharing when was the first experience you had that started you on this journey that's brought you here to this program.
1: My father had decided that he wanted all three of his sons to take over his funeral home. I was the youngest of the three. At five years old, he brought me down to the morgue and he said, touch the body. And I, I didn't want to. And my father had fought in World War II. He was not a man you, you disobeyed. Um, <laughs> and uh, I did. And when I touched the body, I swear to this day, some kind of pulse passed through from the body right through to my heart and gave me a whole different feel for death in general. I tell people, I often look over my left shoulder and see death floating there and say, well, should I make this decision? Should I take this action? And she says, I could take you any minute. So I usually, I've made a lot of rash decisions that way. Some of them have been tremendous. Some of them cost me a lot. But I never hesitated on that level because of that. And that, that changed my whole life. Um, from, from there, I, I, I my father had to back back from the war, and we lived in a, mil, a former military in Lawrence, Massachusetts, where they had built a four-story tenements without any elevators and very thin stairs. <laughs> He couldn't carry the corpses downstairs, which was fine with me when he had people helping him during the days. But when he'd wake me up at 1 or 2 in the morning and say, I need help, there's no one around, I'd get out of bed and we'd go down. And I'd have to strap a dead body on my back and walk down the stairs, put it in the hearse, and oh. then go with him to embalm it. Then he'd bring me home and I'd shower and get ready for school. And when I got to school, I'd say, none of those kids had to pick up a dead party, carry it down the city <laughs> what's wrong? Um that gave that gave me a huge, a huge perspective. He as I got older, I I became his apprentice, one of his apprentices, and and uh during winter storms, he would leave me in charge of the the, the funeral home while he went to pick up bodies. Uh late night in the funeral home uh you can't help but seeing ghosts. Mm -hmm. Uh, I had one body sit up straight, uh, which they do with rigor mortis, but it was the first time for me. I pushed it back down, checked all the the vital signs. It was dead. I left the room, went and got a drink of my father's cognac, came back, and the body was sitting up again with this awful look in his face. (laughs) Fortunately, yeah. I, I had another assistant of my father's brought in another corpse at the time, so I embalmed that first. <laughs> and then I embalmed this body, and then I went home in a blizzard and went to sleep, and I had nightmares about these bodies and their spirits. Mm. Um, I, I, I couldn't sleep. I, I went back to, to the funeral at home, and my father had come back with another body. I told him what was going on, and he said, Yeah. You're gonna see a lot of strange things in this business. I just don't pay any attention to them.
0: <laughs> you know, your story reminds me uh, of the television series of uh, probably ten, I don't know, 80, six they feet. My life, six, six feet, feet under. Early
1: yeah,
0: you. Yeah. Jerks. Oh, I you. used to get
1: so angry watching that watching that show because yeah, that they really caught it real. Yeah, and it really was a lot like that. Oh. Because being being in New England in the wintertime, they have to dig up the, the hole for the caskets with a back hole. Yeah. They often catch old caskets without knowing it and, and spread the bones of the old corpse all over the snow. I, being a teenager at that point, I took to going back out to the wake and, and funeral and, and picking up the bones. My brother had given me a, a huge aquarium, a fish aquarium. I took to washing off the bones and keeping them in the aquarium thinking, well, you know, if you got to be a son of a funeral director, at least you can have a weird hobby. Nobody else <laughs> has even bones in their room. But then I started having these terrible nightmares. It was like hurricanes of voices that I couldn't understand and strange things flying past me and at me. And it happened for over a week. I was going crazy. I couldn't go to school. I couldn't sleep. Um, then one night uh, one... Uh, there was a there was a guy standing there. He was dressed in old fashioned dress, and, and he said to me, "I am Phineas Goodhue. I've come to be the voice of the bones." I, I, I okay. I at that point I hadn't practiced. I had read a lot of metaphysical books, but I hadn't practiced lucid dreaming. But I I said, "Well, what do you want?" <laughs> and he said, "The bones were in the process of." their their afterlife settling in and you've disrupted that they need to be returned to sacred ground you need to bury them in sacred rebury them in sacred ground and i don't know where it came from but i said what if i don't and he said they'll drive me crazy don't have a and i said what do i get in return and he said what do you want and in the dream i thought really deep and i said the mystery is in the magic of life. Lots of it as I go on. And he said, okay, it's a deal. And Phineas Goodhue has visited me from time to time, and I kind of think he's been around more than I've known, um, <laughs> making sure those kind of things happen. One day, a couple months later, I was in one of the one of the cemeteries near our farm, I at reading poems off the old grave. Uh, and there was one that read, Stop, my friends, as you pass by, as you are now, so once was I. As I am now, so you must be prepared for death. Follow me. And I looked up, mm-hmm. and on the top of the tombstone, it said, Phineas, good <laughs> I,
0: I have a picture
1: of it that I saved. <laughs> as, uh, I was like, okay, it was real. It was real.
0: <laughs> wow. Um, I, I'll share with you real quickly um, a, a, a situation similar to that that I had had a dear friend uh, back in uh, uh, in Phoenix who um, uh, lived across the street from us. His name was Dave Kaufman and uh, we were very good friends. He would come over he would like we'd go to like the Costco and buy those real thick pork chops and he'd cook those. Oh, he introduced us to artichokes not that I'd never had them before, but it became more of a mainstay and he'd he'd make a salad and this guy was so meticulous that it could take two or three hours to make a salad for him. Anyway, so um, he's living across the street. He loses the lease. We say, hey, look, I know you don't have any place to go, but if we had a spare bedroom, if you'd like to stay with us until you can you know, find a place, you, you come on over. And he did. Well, uh, October 10th of 2003, 2003, he passed away in our home. And I say in our home, even though they didn't declare him dead until he took him to the took until they took him to the hot to the hospital. And finally they had him on life support so they could harvest his organs, which I thought was kind of odd because most of his life he was a drug user. Not while we knew him, but but prior. And it's like, what are you harvesting? And there's a lot of speculation on our parts as to whether he really died or that he was involved in some kind of a police uh, uh, sting or something or what have you, that they put him in the witness protection program, and we've never heard from him since. Be that as it may, so that uh, following uh, uh, winter of 2004, February, took my wife to Ireland for her birthday, February 2nd. We wanted to go see, um, what was it, uh, Bridget's Well, which we did. But we were staying on a small island in Galway, uh, just along the uh, the coast. Now, the funny thing about it is the island was connected to the mainland by a bog road. It didn't look like it was an island, okay? Not to me, anyway. So one night, we're staying in this beautiful stone, I kid you not, stone, if it had been wooden, the hurricane force winds would have blown it away, because when we arrived there, we had to hold on to the building, so we didn't get blown away. So one night I'm sleeping and I have this dream, but it's not a visual. It's only auditory. (laughs) And and, um, we were going to go over to the Aran Islands, to Inishmoor. And we did. And we went to this area called, uh, it was the graveyards of like the five or the seven churches. And we're looking at different things. And I found this stone with a hole in it. And I was taking pictures of it. My wife is looking around at other things. I'm thinking, like, I'm taking pictures of it like it's the very first wheel of man. Wife comes over and says, You need to come over here and see this. Now, in the dream, my friend Dave, I recognized the voice. He said, And make sure you don't say anything bad in front of Bridget. So I walk with my wife over to this flat. Tombstone with carving on it. Read the tombstone, Richard. Here lies Bridget. Immediately, without thinking, I put my hand over my mouth and I walked away. (laughs) And I'm going, wow, that is freaky. But I wasn't scared. It was just wow. I, I I was like, okay, I won't say anything bad in front of Bridget.
1: You know, it, it's up to people whether they believe or not. But um, and and I highly proselytize. But I have met people, and I've had experiences myself with things like lucid dreaming and astral traveling and speaking to the dead that have passed in dreams. Uh, are very common, and, and I've I, I've I've been able to go to uh, a friend's house on the East Coast and call them in the morning and say, "You got a new couch, right?" Um, just because I had a feeling from the dream. And it said, mm-hmm. yeah, how did you know? Um, those kind of things are possible, and some people live in those realms. Uh, yeah. That we can. I I feel that a lot of my deceased friends and, and relatives visit me in dreams, often with a message. Um, just because they know I need it otherwise I'd be dead by now
0: well my wife is retired she spends most of her time uh, in the cottage we live in we've lived in for 17 years and uh she is very has been as long as I've known her very much connected to the other uh the other realities the other realms if you will and she's seeing or at the very least she feels and then hears the voices of her departed family she's the last of her family she her parents are gone all of her siblings are gone so she is the last one to and i tried to put it to her this way to be honored to carry on the mcdonough name okay that you have been chosen as the receptacle to carry on the legacy in whatever fashion you choose to do so and i find it interesting when i get home She will share with me the stories of the day of what she's experienced, if she's had them. Sometimes she'll even text me and say, I just saw, or I just heard, or I just felt that, 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 that. And I'm not even sure how to respond to that because I'm I'm certainly uh, in agreement that she did see or feel or hear. Okay. So I will never, ever discount that because there's something there. But I always remind her, I said, well, but they're here. They're around you to let you know that you're not alone. Yeah, you may be the last one in physical form, but you're not alone. Your parents and your rest of your family are here to oh, support so, you.
1: It's so true, Richard. It, it, it's so true. And, and, and some people are born with, with their intuition, their psychic abilities, finally tuned. Some people develop it as they age. Others study and, and bring it out. In all of those ways, I've seen as possible. Um, but my wife and I met on a bus in Peru. Um, she was vacationing from, uh, Sweden and I was down there writing a book and, uh, I got on a bus and there was one, one seat left. And I sat down to this beautiful woman next to this beautiful woman. And, and we talked for five hours going from Cusco to, Lake, T- to Puno and Lake Titicaca and fell in love. It turned out I had written books Secrets of the ancient Inca's, the secrets of the Amazon shamans. She had written books: the um, uh, the goddesses of of the Norse pantheon, um, the, the 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 secrets of the runes uh, of Norse history. We had so much in common. We fell in love, uh, and and thank goodness she's put up with me ever since. But, <laughs> but but she's like your wife. I mean, I've I've learned to run my life by her. I'll say. Okay, I'm going to go to this grocery store. You know, I get a feeling you should go to that grocery store. I'm in the grocery store shopping. I go, I don't want blueberries. Why do I think I want blueberries? All right, I'll buy blueberries. I come home and said thank you for getting the blueberries. That <laughs> she sent to me a message that she wanted me to get she's a She's a Nordic witch, and she has these abilities. And, and a lot of the stories in the second half of the, uh, of the Travel Tales of Unknown Realities um, after we met, we had to learn how to, because she had studied North magic, Norse magic, and I, and I had studied shamanism and, and and a lot of Western occult practices, mm-hmm. we had to figure out how to do magic together. She Hers was very meditative and a deep trance state, and mine was a lot of guided visionary uh, talking. And mm. At one point, she said, do you ever do it, with magic and be quiet? <laughs> but, but but, we did figure it out. And, and and she helped me learn something called Seda, which is an ancient Norse um, magic. A, a lot like, I've been to Haiti and, and, and to Brazil, and, and a lot like, the, and I live now in New Orleans, a lot like the possession that comes with voodoo, um, mm-hmm. where you call in a spirit and it, and it actually takes you over. And she taught me how to do a form of that, and and we worked out a compromise. And we've brought in together, sitting on our porch in Virginia before we moved to New Orleans, all kinds of entities from other dimensions and other realities that that spoke to us and convinced us that they existed, Um, and 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 often had a message of one sort or another for us. Um, Mm -hmm. And between it, I mean, I think she's she's a very good battery for psychic energies and connections, which allows me to, to bring them in a little bit more, but she's great at bringing them in as well. Mm.
0: Mm. Uh, let me ask you about how people can find out more about you and the uh, the books that you have written, in addition to, of course, the travel right. tales from right. unknown.
1: I, I've written, like I said, Secrets of the Ancient Inca, Sec- Secrets of the Amazon Shamans, and Spiritual Business, besides this one. I've made a lot of anthologies and help organize a, a, a few of them. Um, but those are my books with just my name on them. On Amazon, um, you can just look up Michael Peter Landerman, and and it's on the author's page. I have um, Facebook pages: one for author, and one for just me, one other just for amusement, um, and uh, Twitter, Twitter, and, and uh, oh, they call it X, and uh, we won't get into that, and um, and Instagram. And they can also, I, I'm really quite open. They can email me at Uh And they can even call me at 434-260-9952. I, I love to help people. Um, I, I've worked as a social worker and therapist. And, and, I, and I love to I love to make help people see over the, the hump that they're facing at the time. So I, I don't mind people reaching out to me. I might not get back to them immediately, but I'll get back to them eventually.
0: Well, you know what? I'm going to pass on your number to my wife and have her call you to have you oh, to cuz I know she would love to have somebody else that she could talk to about this besides me and and I don't I don't put on airs of of oh wow that was incredible cuz I do believe that this is what she's experiencing. I I worked for a Christian radio station for 15 years back in the 80s and early 90s and people would talk to me about some of their experiences that are not justified according to the words in the book. Thank
1: God it's the devil. Uh, yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> and I'm going, I'm not going to diss somebody's experience. Their experience has made them now who they are. And um and and they need to talk about it. Uh they need to share it with people so that uh, it doesn't get bottled up and create other problems. So I'll pass my no- your number uh on to uh my wife so that she can get in contact with you as How we continue.
1: I, I met this couple just the other day. And she started telling me about that she had experiences like our wives, and and, and her husband went, yeah, and, and and I said, well, I you know, so do I. I. I I understand and believe in that. And she looked at her husband and she said, we're gonna get this guy's book.
0: <laughs> well, I'll tell and you I what. A lot of people,
1: is... our society doesn't give validation.
0: Um, I know. For, for that, it's it's kind it,
1: of it's it, kind of it, 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 sad. When you hear voices, they think you're gonna put on a tin hat. Uh, or that you should be locked up if you if you tell people you've seen people disappear or float off the ground, they're sure you're making up stories. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't need people to believe my view of reality or my experiences, but I know what I know and I know what I've experienced. Mm-hmm. And it, society doesn't encourage that at all, sadly. So it's it's up to each individual to fight against the the almost brainwashing of society. Um, I, I believe in religions and I've seen them do amazing work both for individuals and, and for communities here in Latin America, all over the world mm-hmm. um, but I'm not religious as such I'm spiritual of a different kind uh, and and I, I think people need if they want that experience they need to make the decision okay, what if this stuff was real? What if I could talk to my dead grandmother? What if? Uh, I I could learn to do some form of simple magic. What would that be like? And how would I go about that? And and what if I wasn't evil if I did that?
0: Yeah, exactly. Michael Peter Langevin is my guest. And of course, uh, travel tales. I love that. Travel tales uh, from unknown realities. And we are going to continue here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. And uh, uh, Michael, <clears throat> I was going to... Um, uh, basically, uh, say that uh, you to- you said where you're living now, and it just strikes me uh, how fascinating that part of our country, let alone that part of the world is, because uh, that's steeped in a lot of these uh, rituals and traditions, but they're not Christian, uh, at least not according to the fine-tuned definitions thereof, but they certainly... I- have an impact on the people around them and you're my gosh you must be having, having a a, I a like while I time there
1: you. I, I that- feel like this is where I always was supposed to live yeah um, and and I, I do I do some kind of I do some amount of, of social work and therapy on the side to you know pay all the bills and, and uh and I was off in a great position down here when I was living and working in in, in Virginia and I said what the heck I always wanted to live there. Uh, So we moved down here and we have not regretted it one moment that when you say voodoo uh, isn't religious, well, there's forms of voodoo that are very voodoo religious and there are forms of voodoo that still have the heritage that come out of the plantations where the slaves had to hide their religious beliefs behind the Christian statues and the Christian prayers. So you can go to voodoo rituals here in New Orleans, and, and on a service, it seems like you're going to church. But it's only after you get into it a bit that you realize, oh, there's something much more going on here. Um, but yes, there is voodoo here. There is jazz music to beat the bands. There is <laughs> creative art and dance and and and. and you name it, uh, the, the, the it's a magnet. I kind of haven't developed a theory that it, it's probably on the, the ley lines. Um, oh, yes. Say?
0: I said, cat? yes, I'm familiar with them.
1: Yeah, I, I really, I, I've seen some maps where, where they cross here like they do in Jerusalem and, and, and New York and Washington, D.C. and other places. And, and the energies here, I just, it's been through hell and back with all the hurricanes and floods and, and what have you but it, it, it's 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 a it's a city that celebrates life and you know in truth i i i've never lived in a place where people actually take the time and they want to get to know you and they and they're more than willing to help you if you need it right there in the spot i mean it's, it, it's unusual and it, and it's lovely
0: oh i tell you it's uh it, 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 yeah and of course every time i think of <clears throat> when when it rolls around uh in in the spring where and whenever i think of mardi gras there's only one place i think of and it's new orleans oh it's and true. and and of course then there's the argument over okay how do you pronounce it is it new orleans or new orleans
1: and you know and- what that argument goes on here all the time. <laughs> <laughs> people have lived here all their lives and had their great grandmothers well argue about that so yeah. there's a thousand ways to say it like my last name but I- uh but yeah, and and they have festivals for everything. They have festivals because the cry daddies are in season. They have festivals because <laughs> it's the best ta- time to make jambalaya. They have festivals for everybody dressing in a red dress and running down the streets uh, of the French Quarter. Uh, it, it, it is amazing um, that mm. and and we live uh, I don't know ten blocks from the French Quarter. We can walk down to the French Quarter any night. And, and walk by the, the bars on, on Frenchman Street and hear just great jazz right there. And then you go down to Bourbon Street and, and, and it's crowded until three in the morning um, with people who came from all over the world to, to have a good time in New Orleans. Uh, and New Orleans yeah. is full of good times. <laughs>
0: Well, Michael Peter Langevin is my guest. Travel Tales from Unknown Realities is the book, one of the many books, his latest work. And uh, we're going to be linked, I think, to the best place uh, that uh, people will find out more. And that will be the author's page of your page on Amazon, so people can see all of the other books as we continue here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, along with, uh, do you consider yourself... Uh, and I'm going to use several different words here to describe this. Uh, do you consider yourself uh, a, a psychic, uh, intuitive, uh, a channel of some sort? Uh, because obviously you're connected in some way to these other unknown realms. In terms I've, of- I've worked
1: to develop those skills and talents and abilities. So the answer would be yes to all three and, and, and a bunch of others. Um, uh, have I met better channels yeah, better psychics yeah uh better intuitives oh yeah i i i am I'm a hack compared to some of the people that are out there but i I generally have a gut feeling uh, for what to stay away from and what to go for mm-hmm. and and, and uh, on a good day I can read a mind um of someone I'm talking to so yeah and I think you know we were talking about being unique i don't think mm-hmm. i am unique in that way i think my uniqueness is that i was exposed to it early and i've been fascinated and worked at it all my life i, I think and i have taught other people to actually develop these skills um uh, to enhance their own lives and, and expand their own views of realities uh, and and i think it's very teachable um uh, if if somebody really has has a a want a desire for it uh it, it's skills they can learn from youtube or books in these days
0: oh yeah um now <clears throat> i i have listened to a uh, quite a number of i i prefer medium or or intuitive as opposed to psychic because psychic the word psychic has so much baggage these yeah, they're
1: days all, they're all loaded and you know yeah. in any field i i don't care if it's school teacher or policeman there's good and bad. Um, you know, and yeah, psychics uh hacks uh, uh, set up, call the psychic and get the answers and then they train people uh, to keep you talking and give you just enough of that everybody expects or that is universal uh, to make it work. Does that mean there's not real psychics out there? No. It just means with all of this stuff, even if you know a lot about it or just starting into it, discretion is really what I urge people to use because you have to learn to hear your inner voice. You have to learn to feel your your gut um, to know if this person is going to do me good. What this person is saying really sounds real, or this person isn't going to do me good, and what he's or she's saying sounds like they're selling me a bill of goods.
0: Well, I um. I have had a a number of of people pass out of um, this realm. As I mentioned before, a very dear friend of ours, his name was David Kaufman, passed away in our home back in 2003. And sort of the irony of sorts was we had plans to go to Ireland, again, for my wife's birthday in 2004, and we were going to invite him to go with us. He was that good of a friend and, uh, and so forth. And we would have paid for his ticket and all of that, you know. Um, And I'm sure he probably did go with us uh, in spirit, if you will. And of course that dream I shared with you, but since then, since uh, January of uh, 2022, Uh, I have lost uh, a dear, my wife and I have lost a dear friend who lived across, another dear friend who lived across the street from us in Phoenix. He was 94 and he he and I spent a lot of time in my recording studio transferring uh, reel to reel and vinyl to the computer of the Utah Symphony Orchestra and so forth, because he was a percussionist under Marisa Bravanel and so forth. Uh, Then in February of that year, I lost a dear friend through the radio station uh, who gave us some incredible gifts? Uh, we've got this beautiful picture he painted. I think it was of uh, these two little teepees out in out in the out in the wilderness. You know, and it was just a gorgeous picture. Then in March, um, uh, my wife lost her last remaining sibling. Late March, I lost my eldest daughter, my father's uh, eldest uh, daughter, my my eldest sister. I'm sorry, sister, uh, not daughter. I have no kids. Um. And that was in that was in uh, March, late March. Uh, then we swing around to this year. My father was so distraught that he decided he was going to join her March 1st of this year. And then I lost my best friend of 53 years. We went to grade school, high school, college together. And uh, he he'd passed on uh, May 1st of this year which is interesting because that was also the day in 1998 I was served with divorce papers at my place of employment. And I made a joke even that day saying, well, this gives a whole new meaning to the phrase mayday. Um, And I remember when my sister passed, I was hearing her voice following, hanging up the phone, getting that phone call. Saying hi, Richard. Hey, it's going to be okay. It's going to be, and I heard that for several days, several days. But I haven't heard it since. But as I tell my sister at the end of every program, Jeanette, I'm still listening.
1: But- and that that's a key right there, Richard. You can, people can call in dead loved ones um, just by repeating to themselves, as you did and do two and three times a day. You know, I really. I'm really calling out to you, friend David. Please come to me in a dream and give me a message that you're all right or something I should do different in life. And if they do this for (laughs) a week or so, usually they'll have a dream with that person in it Mm. and with some kind of message. Sometimes you can't just decipher them, but usually there's a message there. Yeah. I, I had a really good friend who passed a couple of years back and I was doing that damned if I didn't have a dream. And he came through and he said, Michael, you asshole, you are supposed to be good at this stuff. I thought you were going to come over here and find me. I've got to be the one to find you. This ain't right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm curious. uh, Have you ever made uh, any kind of uh, connection spiritually with anybody who is living today? Uh, It sounds to me like it's only those who are out of body.
1: Well, I, I actually, I'll use my wife's story. When when I met my wife, I was I was in awe on many levels, and one of them was that that she was so intuitive. Uh, she left Peru and went back to Sweden because she had a job and a life, and and I I went back to California. Um, and uh, my oldest sister was was really very ill, uh, so I called up my my then girlfriend and and. Uh, Said, you know, can you look at my oldest sister? I, I, uh, I'm really worried. And uh, she always said to me when we met, you know, I, I don't do dead people. I don't talk to dead people. I don't want anything to do with dead people. <laughs> and uh, she, she called me back a little bit later, and she said, "Does your sister believe in angels?" And I said, "Yeah, big time." She said, "But she's really not doing well." I said, "No." So I saw her in this, and she described her room to me, and she was surrounded by angels who were keeping her alive. And I said, thank you. It, it wasn't three months later. She died, and my and she visited my wife. Mm-hmm. And, and my wife called me up and said, uh, I saw your sister again. She passed, you know. <laughs> and, and she gave me a message that she had given her. So, yeah, you, you definitely can... Very easily, actually, we can learn. Telepathy is a real thing. I kind of think in other dimensions and probably on other planets, mm-hmm. the the, the intelligent species use telepathy because it, it it's so much less limited, and it we can learn it. I'm not great at it, but I have flashes of it, and and you get whole stories in one ball of wax. Uh, so we can learn that, and and a lot of times when you're communicating with someone, you can pick up what they're not saying. Uh, I use that when I'm working with people in therapy. And and, uh, you can send messages to someone across the country. I I mean, I've, I've lost touch with someone and said, you know, I'd really like to get back in touch with them. and had the phone ring. Um, (laughs) You know, we, we have those abilities and we can learn them. I I really, I really, that's, not that everybody needs to. A lot of people came to do different things and have different experiences. But the people who want to learn this kind of stuff, the reason I wrote Travel Tales from Unknown Realities is, is that I've had these experiences. I believe they're real. They're definitely real for me and a lot of the people I know. And, and I wanted to let people know that they are available for them yeah. and to entertain people. It's an entertaining book.
0: Sure, sure. And I think, too, that it's going to maybe dispel some uh, – Uh, some myths, if you will, that people have uh, lived by that that they are not true, and maybe dispel some of the fear. Because I know there are people who are fearful of all of this because they're afraid that they will tap into some evil spirit. See, I take the perspective, I'm not a Jew, but I take the perspective of Judaism, that there is no entity named satan the devil now maybe there was an angel named lucifer okay but that as the jews teach it that evil is nothing more than the lower lowest base nature of man and if we feed I think
1: it i think that's beautifully said richard and i really i really think yes there are mischievous beings out in the astral and in other dimensions mm-hmm. yes you could there's probably some Dark forces, as I know, there are some dark forces as well. But we have amazing power just of our will. Mm-hmm. There, there, there are tons of books now um, out there, starting with Diane Fortune back at the turn of the eighteen hundreds, of protection rituals and banishing rituals. That anyone who's, had, I mean, I, I have people contact me, and they say we have a ghost in our house and he's making a lot of trouble. And I, I usually can walk them through on the phone how to banish that ghost. You are welcome to stay if you mean us well, but we we don't want any bad energies in our home be gone. Um, yeah. And 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 that's very possible. If, but but fear is really one of our worst enemies. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's what's been used to manipulate humanity through the ages. And and when we fall in it's like worrying. When we fall into it, we lose our power. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, if you can walk into your fears, or say there must be something more, there must be a way around this, you gain great strength and power.
0: Yeah. Great poem that was given to me in a big poster back when I was in my 20s, early 20s, Uh, because as uh, being part Irish, not as much Irish as I'd like, had my DNA checked, I think I'm only about 10%. was hoping it was a little higher. But anyway, this poster that I was given – uh, referred to one of the attributes of irish people and that is that they love to worry and this particular poem was wonderful because it starts out it says uh you know um uh, <clears throat> why worry you know you're either gonna you know you're either gonna live or you're gonna die and if you live you've got nothing to worry about um but um or i should say not live and die but uh you're gonna stay uh, well or not stay well you're gonna get sick so if you get sick you only have two things to worry about. You're either going to get well, or you're going to get worse. And if you, uh, and you know, if you get well, hey, nothing to worry about. If you get worse, you only have two things to worry about. You're either going to live or you're going to die. If you live, nothing to worry about. If you die, you only have two things to worry about. You're either going to heaven or you're going to hell. If you go to heaven, you have nothing to worry about. If you go to hell, you're going to be too damn busy shaking hands with friends to worry.
1: And I still have,
0: I still have that poem.
1: If those of us who don't believe in one God are going to hell, well, I got a lot of friends that gonna keep me company there. That's uh, I right. don't believe, like you. I don't believe in the devil, um, and I don't believe in a hell. No, But, but I do believe a lot of people have uh, belief systems that they bring over when they first die. Yeah. Uh, and that they will pass through them with the time on the other side, which is a different time than we have, but that's real involved. But, yeah. But um, w- no, they they don't they're not the end all and be all of, of society.
0: No, um, uh, to me, to me, it's, yeah. And,
1: uh, at different points in my life, I've had dark energies come at me for one reason or another, and, and been able to banish them without w- w- without much trouble. That um, you know, once I realized what was going on, it, it's very doable to do.
0: Yeah. I, I love, I loved the phrase that was used so often at the Christian station. And I was there for 15 years. And I will tell you, it was one of the best educations I was ever paid for because I was an employee of the radio station. And the one thing that struck me was uh, when they would talk about, well, you know, you say you don't believe in the devil. Well, the devil believes in you. And I'm thinking, okay. See, my, my perspective on uh, Lucifer... Uh, son of the morning, was an angel, according to the ancient wisdom teachings. Uh, He was set up. See, my perspective is that uh, God, whatever you perceive him to be, is omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. Knows everything, past, present, and future. Set this whole thing up. And all Lucifer wanted was his individuality. Okay? That's all he wanted. Um, But... No, you can't have it. And his individuality, of course, incorporated wanting to rule, you know, whatever it was he wanted to rule. And um, and I thought, wait a minute, he was set up, just like just like uh, uh Judas. Judas was set up because it was all in the plan. Uh, and and that God God has the script, he has the master script that goes from the beginning of time, if there is such a thing, to the end of time. So Uh, I do, I do agree with this much. Um, I'm not necessarily saying I believe in predestination and, you know, and everything is already set in stone. It's not about that because that's the material world. It's about how do I, how do I not react? God forbid. I don't want to react because that's playing old tapes. How do I act in each of these experiences? And there's, it it
1: really really is, you know, predestined, maybe when we're born, our life looks like a a highway or a river and there's a lot of off-ramps and there's a lot of splits that we can go. Mm -hmm. Um, And maybe we make those choices when we get to those areas. Uh, But two of the stories that I tell in in Travel Tales to Unknown Realities are when I went to Africa. I was blessed to be able to go to Sierra Leone and Uganda. And in both places, I met medicine men who practiced their, their old religion of the area of the uh, of one in Sierra Leone and one in Uganda. And and in Sierra Leone, late at night, uh, after this priest man told me uh, of his beliefs and, and uh, his religion's trainings, I swear, and he turned into a snake, a huge human-sized snake in front of me. Um, mm. Okay, does that mean uh, belief systems uh, are invalid because his could do that for him? Or does that mean his were valid in a different area or in a different way? I- I'm not in a position to say that. The the woman that I met in Uganda um, was taking care of a huge village of, of uh, orphans, her and a couple of other elderly l- ladies because... Uh, a- Ebola and, and AIDS had started there in Uganda and wiped out all of the parents and, and people of age. So there were all these abandoned orphans and they were working in a banana um, plantation to, to earn money to be able to live. She, she uh, helped the man I was traveling with heal uh, a man who had had a heart attack, couldn't hear and wasn't talking. Uh, he had never done a healing like that before but she walked him through it and did a ceremony in her religious belief system, which was very different than the one in Sierra Leone. And this man who I knew for a fact, I had been traveling with him for a week, couldn't couldn't talk or hear. He got back his hearing, his talking, and his, and his logical thinking. These, hmm. these things exist. There's a lot of tools and a lot of belief systems that allow them to exist. I don't know that they cancel each other out. Maybe there's God and then there's demigods or lesser gods or other beings. Um, be that as it may, you can tap into a lot of entities, uh, on our plane of existence and on other plane of existence. I, I believe I've, I, I've not only talked with the Inca gods and goddesses, but made deals with them. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them I'm really thankful I made, and some of them I kind of regretted, but but they came to me and said I had come to do work for them, and I, I was like, no, 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 you got the wrong guy. But um, after a week of torturing me in my dreams, they, they convinced me, and I agreed to do whatever they wanted. If they let me go back to Boston and finish school and, and, and go on with my life, I ended up writing the book, The Secrets of the Ancient Inca, spending a lot of time in in Latin America and Peru, and adopting both of my children from Peru. Um, that was all part of my agreements with the Indian gods and goddesses. Uh, things that don't usually happen to some college kid in Boston. Uh, mm. I, I think entities exist, spiritual beings exist, uh, uh, and belief systems of many sorts bring about many results. Uh, so so it's up to us to decide what we're comfortable with and what works for us.
0: Yeah, you know it's interesting too. There's a commandment in uh, uh, from the Old Testament uh, that kind of verifies that there are other gods I because have it no says,
1: false "Gods before me,
0: have no God." Yeah, have no other gods before me. You know, and it's like, okay. And I have a, okay. a friend yeah. of mine.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of things. I, I, I don't take the Bible really as gospel. Some of it's good, some of it's good storytelling. Yeah. Yeah, Callus Castaneda type things. But uh but they um but there are a lot of hints that there's a lot more going on. And those those people who want to do research into the Sumerian tablets, yeah uh, uh the, the, the stories are retold or were told first in a very different way. Uh mm-hmm. and and history reflects in in the earlier cultures even even egyptian but the babylonian and, and 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 what have you the things that that existed that then got uh retold in the bible and as, as the christian way um,
0: well it's 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 fascinating to speculate on those things and uh, maybe we'll get together and talk about some of them because uh my observation is that god uh, this is going to rub some people really the wrong way, and I don't mean to be disrespectful. God, and I don't mean it.
1: That, that's why I say I believe yeah. it works for people, and and if they believe it and it works for them, I bless it.
0: Yeah, but uh, my observation is based upon both Genesis, and I don't know where the story of Noah is, but ge- that God condones incest. How could He do otherwise? Because. Where did the rest of the eight billion people come from? From Adam and Eve, it was just are, them, then they had their two sons.
1: When you, read, when you read the Bible, literally, there's a yeah. lot of questions. And as I say, if you go for the predated stuff, you get some behind, st- behind the scenes stories that led to the stories the way they've come down to. I mean, we know the Bible has been edited a number of times. The the, the conference of, of a CC in 300, uh, the St. James Bible that it's been edited, and rewritten, and 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 things have been uh, reworded and left out. So, yeah. But I'm not here to, to contest the Bible. No, 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 not it's at all. Served greatly for a lot of people. It's just uh, just there's a lot of other things. They, yeah. One of the one of the discoveries I wasn't there. I haven't been. I'd love to see it. But they they just made a discovery using the lidar radar from an airplane in the uh, Sinai Desert. Of of an ancient ancient huge palace city um, that that just has glorious uh, 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 buildings and, and 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 things in in it and uh, they actually you can see it on YouTube. There are actually those who speculate that it was built by genies, uh, that there was a race of genies, and, and that they and that they built it. Uh, yeah, I I just say that's ridiculous. Except. I was able to be in Morocco at one point and ride on camels across part of the Sierra desert. And after about the fourth day, I was getting pretty delirious and his being appeared to me on another camel who wasn't there really, and talked to me uh, and uh, pointed out, when we stopped, pointed out this this rock that he said I should give to the leader of of the, uh, to the caravan at the end of the evening. And when I did, the guy was in awe. Where did you find this? We don't find these. This is a holy rock. Uh, you, you can't do anything with it but throw it in the fire, send it back to where it came. Um and, okay, so I was delusionary and happened to see a rock and pick it up. I I don't know. The, the guy, the, the the imaginary being was very convincing. <laughs> so and he said that there were genies, and it was Muhammad. Who um, uh, of the Muslim faith who 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 uh, fought a war against them and tried to and pushed them out of the cities and, and tried to convince people they didn't exist.
0: Yeah, uh, and that's so fascinating. That's the reason why I never discount anybody's experiences, uh, no matter how bizarre, by other people's uh, in, terms. very. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, my metaphysical primer that I started reading when I was a teenager was autobiography of a Yogi. And in that there are some remarkable stories. I mean, I got to tell you uh, the story uh, when he and uh, he, uh, that w- Parmahansa was taken into a movie theater to watch uh, what they referred to as a Cresco graph. It was a film and they come out and he said, and, and his uh, his guru basically says, you think that was something, let me show you something else. And he sl- he hits him hard on the chest right over the heart. And now, Parmahansa is now able to see in three dimensions all around him. You think that the movie was spectacular. This is pretty cool. And uh, I believe that happened. I honestly. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Books, books and, and documentaries just reveal so much to us. that people want to look. It, it's, yeah. it's amazing what's out there. As yeah. we said earlier, the brainwashing of society and the fact that we stay busy paying our bills, Um and take care of our families, uh, you know, it doesn't, doesn't leave us. And then we need to like be mindless just to recoup from that. A lot of the time. Yeah. Um, I don't begrudge people. I've lived that life. Yeah. Uh, I know what it's like. It's, it's easy to do. Um, when you get the luxury to get away from it and you make other choices, right. then, then, um, but, but those kind of things have, have had, I mean, Edgar Casey is a very approachable book and, and, and his, his book, um, yeah. Speaks the sleeping prophet speaks of wonders such as that. And there's yeah. a there's a ton of amazing books out there that really tell tell of miracles um, and magic that that can exist in, in people's lives. When yeah. you um, I, I met an Amazon shaman. I met quite a few of them, but I met I met one who uh, <coughs> I, I after the first time I went down in, in the 70s, I kept getting recommendations. To see shamans, so I would work at a job, save my money, and go back for as long as I could afford to go back, and 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 meet other shamans. And and I I would always want their magic and their stories. And and this guy this guy said, well, you know, I I don't know, I do some magic, but uh, 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 a UFO crashed in, in the Amazon right over there not long ago, uh, mm-hmm. uh, a couple years ago. And I said, oh, did you save any of the pots? Well, this is the Amazon, you know, they would have rotted. They all washed down the river. Oh, good story. And then he said, but, you know, my, my apprentice and I went out in the canoe to see and a body floated up to the top. And I said, did you save the body? And he said, it's the Amazon, whatever I did. But we cut it up in pieces and boiled it in her, And I ate the soup. But <laughs> 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 you got to survive, you know? <laughs> and, 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 and he said, and, and I could see colors. I could hear colors. I could taste noise. I, I could, I could, I could feel, um, taste, and all my senses were jumbled and expanded. And it went on for for months. If I hadn't had a great apprentice, I would have walked off a cliff or into the river. Mm. Um, eventually, it wore off. But because they live in a different dimension, consuming their flesh <clears throat> gave me expanded senses and different senses than I have. Um, now he had me with a great story and had convinced me. <laughs> uh, uh, and I think a lot of the other expanded realities, unknown realities, beings perceive very different than us. Mm. Fourth dimension, fifth dimension, and beyond. Yeah, um, Sideways dimensions and pocket dimensions. Uh, parallel universes. They, I think they're all out there. Uh, it's to what degree we can our minds can conceive of it and handle the knowledge we gain?
0: Well, I tell you 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 bring us a, a lot of food for thought, especially because this is one of the subjects that I put it this way I say that it's near and dear to my heart, the subject of death or I love for I like to refer to it as transitioning. And my father is forefront forefront in my mind these days because he just passed back in March on March 1st of this year. Um, But he's free of that body that was hindering him to almost 92 years. almost made it to 92. And uh, so now he can see perfectly. He can hear perfectly. And now he can walk without falling down, which is a big deal. Um, But I have some of his possessions. I I wear this uh, Western belt with boots on the buckle, you know, Uh, I have uh, his vest, which I'm not wearing so much in the summertime, a little warm, and several other other items as well. And I think about him all the time now, and I think about the lessons that he taught, the legacy he left behind, because he didn't think he left a legacy. He didn't think he had any influence in how we, as his six children, turned out. And at the memorial, that was the theme but it was synchronistic because none of us had coordinated with the other about what we were going to say, but that's what each of us said. Dad, I wouldn't be the man I am if it weren't for you. You know,
1: it's the amazing thing. My my father and I had, had, I had a troubled youth with my father. Uh, It it wasn't until my my (coughs) thirties that I, that we made peace. Um, But Mm. then we became close friends, uh, which is such a blessing. That, that I was his, his good friend in his later years. Um, but, you know, he died, and I grieved, and that was that. Uh, one day I, I, I was cooking. Uh, he His hobby was French gourmet chef uh, mm. because he was very proud of his French culture, and he needed something to break up uh, being a funeral director. So uh, one day I was cooking one of the recipes. He, he taught me to cook. I'm not as good a chef as he is, but I can cook. And I was cooking one of the meals he taught me, one of the recipes, and it just wasn't tasting right. And I hear his voice in my ear. And he says, You forgot the saffron, and you really need to put some cognac or brandy in that to bring it out to taste. And, and I said, My wife's working on something at a table nearby. And I said, My father's telling me how to cook this meal. And she said, Is he here? And I said, <laughs> I said Yeah, he's here. To tell me how to cook the I Talk to him. And I said, Yeah. So she started asking me questions, and I I felt myself talking not so much in my voice, more in the way he used to talk. Mm. And the two of them had a wonderful conversation about life, his experience after he died and what he's experiencing over there and what's important to him now. And, you know, the man still comes back when I'm messing up, cooking a meal, and tells me, no, Michael Peter, you got to do it this way. You forgot this. So... We, we can have that closeness uh, and shared experiences.
0: Mm. I love it. Um, a matter of fact, um, though, I haven't actually heard. Well, no, I take that back. Um, I had an interview not long ago. We were talking a lot about this, you know, and I was I tell talk about the what I was hearing and so forth. And uh, the, the, my guest said to me, they said, okay, Richard, uh, you know, you can certainly put questions out there, but you need to listen faster because if it's your father, for example, that you're asking the question, he already knows the question. Okay. Uh, so just if the question starts to rise, let it rise, but let it go because the answer is already coming because he already knows. I've been listening for the last three days. Since I went to a service in uh, San Inez, uh California, I went to the old mission out there where I they uh, where they offered a mass in his name. I had I had asked back in March if they could do that. And they said, no problem. So I decided I was going to attend. So I took the canister with my father's ashes with me and they actually I wasn't planning on this. They actually put them up on the altar. And of course, then I was holding them and the priest blessed me with holy water and said a beautiful prayer. And so forth again, that ritual and that ceremony was so wonderful. And so after that, I started listening to one of his favorite uh, artists that he listened to musicians when he was growing up in the, well uh, in the fifties, especially and sixties, he loved cowboy music. And this artist, marty robbins so i said spotify play marty robbins and for the next for the next three days after that that is all i listened to and then i realized not that i didn't already know this but it was like it really connected with me yeah i now know why he likes this music um i mean we've got great storytellers down through the the last uh, several decades of my life like Harry Chapin and John Denver and Dan Fogelberg and Gordon Lightfoot and many, many others. But in his day, he just loved those cowboy stories, whether it was uh, cattle drives or gunfights uh, at high noon or um, what have you. And it's like, I, I, in spite of the fact that I, and I know you can say this too, th- I have no regrets as far as my life my, my uh, uh, relationship with my father, there was nothing left unsaid. Uh, we both shared "I love Yous." Uh, he was, uh, was always telling me over the last 20 or 30 years, but even before, but more so directly how proud he was of me in our conversation, not to take anything away from my siblings. Um, and so there, but, and yet there are so many other people on this planet. Who have regrets. Oh my God, I wish I had said this. I wish I had said that. And I tell them all the time on this program don't, I don't care if you're estranged. Don't wait. Don't right. wait.
1: And and, the, and the, the next level of that, don't wait. I mean, he who hesitates is lost. When yes. you don't say it goes unsaid. And, and it's very important. You know, I, I'm i sorry goes a long way. Sure. I, I love you goes a long way. Oh, but yeah. But beyond, beyond that, what I tell people when they ask me, and because of my who I am, they do, you know, what can I do about it? I I, I say, you can still have a conversation with. Them. You can sit down on the couch and say, What if my mother was here and we were having a conversation? With you? What would it be like? And you can either write down what you think or or you can just hear it in your mind. And after a little while, you'll start writing down things that you would never say. Or you would never think. Yeah. And then you know you've connected with someone on the other side who who, who really, and, and you can say those things that went unsaid and that you're sorry about so that you don't have the regrets. Um, yeah. They know, like you said, they can read our minds.
0: That's um, right.
1: They can't come through easily all the time, but when they do, they, they know and there's a solid connect.
0: Yeah, That's, And it's such a special experience. I mean, I remember coming down the hill the day, the morning after I was told of the loss of my best friend of 53 years. I'm 63. So I have known him 53 years. Uh, and I, I met him when I was 10 years old and we stayed together through grade school, high school, college. And I, I'm saying to myself as I'm coming down the mountain here in Santa Barbara, I just want to cry. I want to cry over him. And every time I thought about him, all I could do was laugh. Because of the, the things that we experienced together, where uh, um, I, I remember when we were in junior college together, and, and the, we were, I was there three semesters. So the first semester we signed up, he quit one, he dropped one class after a day. Next semester, we signed up for classes. Uh, day after we signed up, he dropped one class, uh, uh, you know, uh, and, and then we continued on. Third semester, we signed up for all our classes. Uh, he came to me and he says, you remember the last couple of semesters I, I would drop one class? Well, I did it again, only it was so much fun. I dropped all my classes and that's all. And I just would laugh. I mean, it was it, it was that kind of a relationship. I, I'm i sad that he's gone, uh, but he and I also uh, I would always tell him. And this was what was interesting. He came out to me when I was like 19 or 20. And I said, what do you want me to do with that? You're still my best friend. I mean, it's not that I don't care. It's just, it's irrelevant because we've known each other for so long. So when I would tell him as we're on the phone or even in person, Hey man, I love you. I love you. I love you. You know, I would tell him that I loved him and, um, you know, and I, I didn't let that go and it, it wasn't a sexual thing. It's just, uh, uh, as a matter of fact, um, I'm going to share with you something that now, Uh, hang on one second here. And uh, I have, we have animals and I would think that, that you would have the experience also that animals are also a means by which uh, our, our ancestors, my father and sister um, would come through. Well, my wife just, I'm kidding you. Not as we're having this conversation, here's the text. So I'm standing on the porch, looking at the view and turn around to go back and uh, into the kitchen and Angus, who is our, um, he'll be 11 years old this December. He's a big black, 100 pound King Shepherd and Tess, who is probably 13 or 14. She's a tiny little female tuxedo kitty are standing side by side, waiting for me to come in and to me that is part of the protection that her family let alone the two animals who are you know he's her protector angus uh are they're watching over her
1: oh, no, no question in my mind yes I, I i had a farm in northern california i was raised on a farm surrounded by cemeteries but it was a farm um, <laughs> and, and and, and horses and dogs and cats and chickens and rabbits and sheep and, and goats and what have you have always been in my life here in New orleans not so much because i hate animals in the city but um i i really feel that there's a connection between uh animals and and, and the deceased that a lot of times they can see spirits before a human or sense them and, and and they can be a conduit for messages if we're sensitive enough to to see what their their body language is is telling us.
0: Yeah. Well, that. I will tell you that that is the first time that I have ever um received a text in the middle of an interview from my wife of that level of I'll call it profundity. Um I mean, you know, it's um it's just amazing uh the synchronicity in the universe, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah, well, uh, you know, the more we're tuned in, the more the universe gives us those messages all
0: around. Yeah. around I really love good. it. I They're absolutely good. love it. I'm talking with, believe it or not, a, a wonderful gentleman who has, uh, through this program, I would honestly say has become a, a friend, a good friend here thank on the you, program. And I hope we get to have you back again as we continue all talking well with Michael Peter Vangelin. And uh, this is Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. And uh, I what did I, what was it that I said at the front end of this program, Michael, I said this was going to be an incredible, wonderful, uh, I think, exciting conversation uh, that we have had. And I believe we will have others down the road because I would love to have you back on the program again.
1: Oh, I will. Thank you.
0: You bet. And I will link the Amazon page uh, where you are. all of your books are listed so people can find out about them. How many of them are currently uh, in audible format?
1: I don't think too many. I, I'm actually, I, I, when this one came out, I realized that. And I thought, okay, I got to get on now. Um, so what I'm doing with Travel Tales from Unknown Realities is I'm recording, reading a chapter into YouTube and Facebook each week um, so that people can have it on both, be reading it so they, they have the the, the the Zoom video and they, and they have the audio. And then I'll put it all together at the end. But I'm going to, I'm talking to a couple of publishers I've been talking to a lot to get this book out, but uh, I'm gonna I, I, I'm gonna see if I can't uh, find an easy way to get them all on audio. I think um, maybe Secrets of the Amazon of the ancient Inca is is on audio, but I'm not positive. I'll have to look.
0: Okay. Well, but
1: they're I'll, all they're all e are uh, available in, in, in print.
0: Okay. Well, I will uh, just let you know, not to sound too self serving here. I produce audiobooks, I narrate audiobooks oh, and we, need to uh, have a uh, we should, we matter of fact, we will following uh, this yeah. interview. And um, by the way, um, uh, I do have three final questions that I want to yeah. ask you before we wrap things up. However, I need to thank you for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, as we're giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. We're here on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., and Wednesdays at 9 a.m. That's our special edition of Tell Me Your Story. And we stream live at those times at richarddugan.com. We podcast the programs on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Why Am I Going So Fast?, because there are so many locations where this program is podcasted and there are many more that I haven't even listed so uh, all you have to do is uh, probably type into Google uh, Richard Dugan and or tell me your story or just go to richarddugan.com or go to SoundCloud, and boom you're there or you can even go to YouTube where you can watch these interviews and you can see the magic unfolding you know there's all kinds of magic folks and we have it here on Tell me your story. We uh, also ask that if you can support us financially, we would be gratefully appreciative. We have a PayPal account. It is there for your security as well as ours. And when they ask you to whom you are sending the contribution, the email address is richard at richarddugan.com. That's richard at richarddugan.com. And then we ask you to spend time going within into that uh, quiet, peaceful, calm, still place and listen to that still small voice, or even listen for the voices of your ancestors. I, I haven't actually spent even five minutes just sitting and closing my eyes and maybe oming or what have you, and just being quiet and listening, because I'm hearing the voices, if you will, the impressions from my sister and my father in particular, and my best friend. Even if it's just thoughts of him that make me laugh, and uh, I'm going to be sharing an interesting program uh, uh michael uh with our listeners my best friend and i of 53 years back in the early i'm talking 1981 82 i was in this business for no more than two or three years we would go into the station i was working for when they went off the air at night and we would play radio and i recorded those on reel to reel now i've gone back and listened to, to them and i was seriously i was amazed I could have done them today. They were they they, they are that good. I was sh- I was just I was dumbfounded. It was fantastic. So we'll be bringing those to you folks as well. Well, with all that said and maybe too much, we're now going to go to our three final questions for our guest and the first question is who is Michael Peter Langevin?
1: Well, um, <clears throat> I'm a husband, father, a lover of life, uh, explorer, teacher, um, assistant for those in need, and, and a person who just loves evolving and trying to be brutally honest with himself.
0: What is your life's purpose?
1: My life's purpose is to evolve and expand and help other people. To evolve and expand.
0: Hmm. And finally, what was your best day?
1: Well, I'd have to pick two of them. One, when I adopted my children in Peru, Um, not like going from being uh, never having children to having two immediately young kids. Uh, and the, my best friends to this day, and they're in their thirties. And the other would be when I met my wife, in, in, also in Peru. Um, she's she's uh, she's my other half. In truth, I don't believe in this soul twin flame thing, but she she's really someone I didn't dare hope would be in my life. Mm. And she edited this book and made it probably twice as good as it was with my writing. So I've got a lot of thanks to give her.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know what? It sounds to me like we need to have the two of you on a program to share your stories uh, as you've traveled through life together. Uh, I'm trying to
1: get get an American English book out. Her books are both in Swedish and they do extremely well in Sweden, but. They don't do much good for people here in the States.
0: (laughs) Well, we'll see what we can do to help or help to help you guys along. Uh, Again, I thank you so much for this incredible interview. I have thoroughly enjoyed it. And I hope our listeners too. All right. All right. Well, many blessings to you and to you. Thank you again for listening to and watching. Tell me your story. New paradigms for a new world. And until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast. (sighs) Love to lol. Jeanette, I am still listening. Dad, I know you're happy because I am. And my dear friend, Doug, I'm happy because every time I think about you, I laugh.